Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. MSPs do battle daily against cyber hostilities such as ransomware attacks and data breaches. Fight smarter. Call in the cavalry. Gatekeeper from Calyptic Security is here. Reduce stress and implement proper safeguards as advised by the FBI, NSA, and DHS with Calyptic's purpose-driven solution for small business. Zero Trust Access secures RDP and SSH connections with two-factor authentication. There's no more need for open ports to the internet, client installs, or VPN. Plus, you'll enjoy audit-friendly access across all types of devices. Learn more at calyptics.com gatekeeper. That's C-A-L-Y-P-T-I-X dot com slash gatekeeper. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl Polichuk, and I'm joined today by Hans and Donata Skilrud, who are with a company called Termageddon. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks Happy for having to us. Here. So uh, let's start with a tiny bit on Termageddon, and then we'll, we'll talk about you two and how you got where you are and all that. So what is Termageddon, and why do, we, why do I care? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Termageddon is a website policies generator. So if you have a website that asks for name, email, uh, phone number, uh, often found through contact forms, uh, you may need to comply with a multitude of privacy laws um, and comply with a multitude of future privacy laws and uh, make very specific disclosures within your privacy policy. Termageddon is an alternative to an attorney. Um, it is a generator tool, um, a tool that you can use to generate policies for your website quickly. And what's cool about our technology is that we continue monitoring privacy laws, notify you when those laws change. It can even push updates to your policy pages automatically with new disclosures whenever they become required. All righty, and we're gonna put a link in, but it's termageddon.com. And uh, okay, so let's back up a little bit. How come you are putting this together? Why, why did you create this product? So I definitely would say that that's my time to step aside and let the president uh, discuss it in more detail. <laughs> um, so I'm Donata, I'm the president of Termageddon and the legal engineer behind the policy questions and text. I am an attorney licensed in Illinois and a certified information privacy professional. So I've been working in privacy with different privacy laws and tracking privacy bills for about five years now. And um, apart from my work at Termageddon, I'm the vice chair of the American Bar Association's e-privacy committee and the chair of the Chicago chapter of the International Association of Privacy Professionals. Very she, cool. On behalf of the American Bar, she's actually provide, provided guidance to U.S. legislators on how to write privacy laws, which is pretty cool. So. Which, uh, just kind of a side note, but it's at the state levels that most of this action is taking place, right? Exactly. Yeah. So in the U.S., we don't have a federal privacy law that applies to business websites. So each state has taken it upon itself to pass, uh, to propose and pass its own privacy laws. And um, that's leading to a very complicated patchwork of privacy laws in the U.S., at least, because there is no one set of rules to follow. Each state has different rules and the state privacy laws can actually apply outside of the state in which the laws were passed 
because the law protects consumers and not businesses. So as you know, when you have a website and you have a contact form, anyone from anywhere could submit their personal information to you, meaning that you could be needing to comply with, for example, California's privacy laws, even if you're not located there. Right. Well, and a lot of people who have websites don't know that they need to be posting this stuff up. That's exactly, exactly right. Yeah. And, and they will know soon, uh, given some of the proposed <laughs> privacy bills. Um, you know, New York, for example, has proposed a, a law that will enable citizens of New York to sue any business for collecting as little as an email address on their contact form without uh, proper disclosures. Yeah. And then, you know, back to why we're the ones starting this company as well. So Hans is more of our uh, tech side of things, more of our marketing and, and partnership side of things. Maybe you can tell them a little bit about your background as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I ran a 12-person web design and software development company for seven years in downtown Chicago. Um, I sold that company to run full-time, um, Termageddon full-time uh, with my wife, Donata. Uh, surprise, surprise, we're, we're married. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, we, we built Termageddon uh, to e we even offer reseller and affiliate programs to web designers, um, uh, IT companies, man companies that handle the tech side of stuff, especially the website for their clients. Uh, because we know that, you know, even people in tech, they, they know enough to know, okay, I know privacy policies are important. I don't know really much beyond that. I just know that they're important. But, you know, a layer further away from that are their clients who are small business owners with websites that have no idea about this stuff. So, you know, we provide resellers the ability to educate their clients on the growing importance of privacy policies and help them get protected too. So the last time we talked, which was a couple of weeks ago, you literally said the words of, there was just a bill introduced this morning into the legislature in South Carolina, I think. And so how do you track that? Like, how do you keep track of uh, all of these states and, and all of the stuff that's being proposed, whether it's actually become law or not? Sure. Uh, so this is something that I do, and I'll try not to get too technical or boring here. Um, but essentially, um, I have this software called LexisNexis StateNet, uh, and it's a great software. For anyone that's heard of LexisNexis, it's basically like Google Alerts for attorneys. So basically, you set up the terms that you want to search for, and whenever there's a bill introduced that contains that term, uh, you get an alert in your email. So an example of a term that I've set up alerts for is privacy policy, right? So anytime there's a bill that comes out that mentions privacy policy, um, I get an alert in my email and that's one way to track it. Another way um, is the International Association of Privacy Professionals or IAPP.org. They have a privacy bill tracker that they update and then they also post news um, every day, which include news of bills. And then also the American Bar Association um, you know, we get the newsletters and, and all of that kind of stuff. And basically it all adds up into one. Um, so if you go onto our blog at termageddon.com slash blog and search privacy bill tracker, you'll actually be able to see our tracker, which I keep up to date. And as a lawyer myself, I have to say I hate spreadsheets. Um, and this thing is just the bane of my existence because it's a spreadsheet that has to be updated all of the time. <laughs> Uh, and you'd be surprised by how often these things come out, right? So usually when you look at news, uh, when you look at news in the privacy space, you'll see, you know, Google finds X billion dollars, Facebook messes this up or that up. You know, usually these bills don't make it into the mainstream news because they're not that exciting. So people think that there's nothing going on. 
but I get a new alert, um, you know, every day or every other day uh, with bills that are progressing or passed or proposed. Um, so there's a lot more going on out there than people actually realize. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Virginia, for example, just passed their privacy law last month. Um, and uh, that goes into effect in about 18 months. And that's just one of a, I mean, there's 29 privacy bills in the U.S. You know, six months ago, it was like 20. So right. it's just growing. Um, and it's because people want to write to their privacy. And I think that's a, you know, that's not just an American thing. There's you know, Canada has a privacy law. There is a proposed bill change to it, but you know, the UK, the EU, and it goes on and on. So yeah, people are really starting to see the consequences of sharing their information online. And I think that's why all of these bills are being proposed, because if anybody knows our government or the legislative process, uh, the suits in your state capital won't do anything unless the consumers pressure them to do it. Uh, so that's why we're seeing so many of these bills, because consumers are seeing the dangers of sharing their information online, the dangers of that information being leaked, or you know the endless onslaught of marketing emails and calls that we get, and people are like, you know, Maybe I don't want to get this anymore. I want to keep my information <laughs> private. And they're right. pressuring their state legislators to do something about it. And we're not seeing much movement on a federal level, um, at least for now. And, you know, it seems like states are taking it upon themselves to, to really provide consumers with these privacy rights. And are you U.S. only? No. Um, so we are uh, so we are actually located in the U.S. We're located in the Chicago suburbs, um, but we service clients in the U.S., U.K. Um, and in Canada. We're actually launching in Australia soon. Um, and then we also incorporate the laws of the European Union. So GDPR and all of that, we do include all of that in our policies, too. We're also compatible with Ireland uh, that just came out. Um, and uh, we're going to be pushing compatibility for businesses formed in Australia and New Zealand soon, too. Yeah. So it's interesting uh, with, with Brexit, you know, there's all of these questions about, oh, is England going to be separate? Then is Ireland going to be separate? And is Ireland going to be part of Europe and blah, 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 you know, and it's like and now the Scots are reinitiating their question of whether or not they want to be independent. And so, um, you know, the world keeps changing. Um, side note. The last real job I had before I became an IT consultant was with a company called Legitech, who was a competitor of StateNet. And two years after I left, they were bought by StateNet. So uh, I, I actually, in the 1990s, helped run a business that what we did was track legislation. In oh, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. So you know exactly what I go through every day. <laughs> Except my memories are so old that we had real to real backup tapes. So. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah, that's some awesome. Of those memories you want to scrub out of your mind as well. <laughs> Nobody wants to remember time they spent but, tracking privacy or bills in general. Back in the day, I attended the uh, National Conference of State Legislators where yeah. You know, different legislators from different states would get together and talk about, you know, different areas of legislation. So it's weird because with the timing last year, NCSL didn't have in-person meetings and uh, don't know if they will this year by July. But uh, eventually these legislators do get together and the laws become more consistent over time uh, as they kind of educate each other on what worked and what didn't work. Um, but early on, it's a free for all. And, uh, you know, somebody who's building a website has no way to keep up on this 
you know, on the actual legislation, on the laws and the rules and the regulations. Absolutely. I think, you know, if you're building websites and you're trying to keep up with this, you just end up tearing your hair out because it does take a lot of time. It does take a lot of effort. But, you know, that's why we're so fortunate to be able to provide a tool that kind of automates that and allows you to see what the changes actually are, because there's a big difference between tracking the legislation and then understanding what changes that legislation means to your privacy policy, right? You know, you don't just need to track it, you need to read it and you need to interpret it and you need to understand it. So, you know, that's a great part of our service is that we do all of that for you and just say, all right, here's what needs to be added. Here's what you actually need to know. Right. And we'll note for any law firms listening, we also have a law firm pro program too. If, you, if you're wanting to uh, offer privacy policies to your clients, you can leverage our technology too. Uh -huh. so, so walk me through, if I sign up for the service, uh, is there an interview process? How do you know, because I'm in California, but I do business all over the world. Like, how do you know what applies to me? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it all starts by going to Termageddon and clicking the register button. You'll confirm your email, be brought to your account. And that's where you can purchase a license. Um, uh, most people go the $99 per year route, um, or you can do $10 a month, but 99 bucks per year seems to be what everyone does. Um, and yeah, upon uh, purchasing a license, you can get started. And by getting started, what I mean is that there is no interview process, although we're more than happy, happy to walk you through it. Um, <laughs> but you're more than welcome to also just go directly to our questionnaire. Our questionnaire, uh, with Termageddon being a tool, it you know asks you a series of questions. Uh, the first series of questions are all based around what privacy laws do you need to comply with in the first place? You know. Um, you're based in California, but as you said, you do business all, everywhere. So you, chances are you're going to be saying yes to a lot of the very first questions like, you know, do you process the data of uh, uh, residents of Canada or, you know, do you offer goods or services to residents of the EU and, and so forth. But after the first stage, which is figuring out all the privacy laws you need to comply with, the application um, adjusts the, the remaining questions um, to ask you the questions specific to those privacy laws you're seeking to comply with. So um, those questions are more about how your website operates, how your business operates too, to a certain degree. Um, and yeah, upon answering those questions, uh, you click submit, and that's what produces a piece of code. It's a JavaScript embed code. Um, and we provide videos on how to embed it, but really all you're doing is copying and pasting that code into the body of your privacy policy page. And then you save. And then now when you visit your privacy policy page, our code will populate. Uh, your copy for your privacy policy, but because it's our embed code, we term again and control what that copy says. So when a new law goes into effect or an existing law is amended, we'll notify you by email and then push the updates to your policy pages automatically. So a technical question, because we have a technical audience. Mm -hmm. When I put this code in there and I go to that web page, mm -hmm. Have I downloaded the contents of that or does it go out to your site and bring in the contents? Currently it goes out to our site and brings it up. Um, now granted the embed code is only copied and pasted into the body of the privacy policy page. So it's not a site-wide embed. Um, it's just right on the privacy policy page. Now we have our own cached versions obviously to serve up a super fast uh, version of the policy of course. Um, but we are considering uh, bringing it over so that uh, caching can be or so that you can save like a cached version on your own server, just relying less on us. So we're actually amidst that right now. Great question. So, so in, in that questionnaire, if I'm doing something with financial data or 
um, something that's uh, maybe HIPAA compliance or whatever. Uh, I just check those boxes and all that stuff comes into my privacy policy. So there's actually certain industries that we don't service. Uh, being an attorney myself, I'm the first to recognize when an, an attorney is needed to, to build something custom or to write something custom. And that does come with HIPAA and financial compliance, such as GLBA um, and, and all of that type of stuff. So we don't cover that um, at that point. If you do need HIPAA compliance or GLBA or, or whatever, uh, the financial services compliance, we would recommend retaining an attorney at that point. Uh -huh. COPA, COPA as well, websites that knowingly target children under the age of 13. So, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, so, those so three once I have this up, am I legal or do I now need to go read through my privacy policy and make sure I'm doing all that stuff? <laughs> so you definitely need to read through it. Um, you know, it's the policy is based on how you answer the questions. So your answers will be used to create the policy, but we absolutely recommend reviewing it. And then in addition to that, you know, if somebody contacts you to exercise their privacy rights or something like that, you obviously have to make sure that you honor those rights and respond appropriately and all of those things. You know, I we believe that the privacy policy is the first step towards compliance, but you definitely need to make sure that you're following that policy, that you're responding to requests, that you're answering consumer questions, things like that too. And obviously, don't lie when filling out the questionnaire. So like one of the questions is like, do you sell the data you collect? And if you do sell data, but you say no, there's, you know, there's only so far a privacy policy can go. You can't lie when filling out the questionnaire, of course. Exactly. So it, if we have multiple websites, let's say I've got 10 websites for different products, but right now I have one static page and everybody points to that. And so... Uh, my privacy policy is on one website, but all the other websites say, hey, if you want to know our privacy policy, go here. Mm. Will I still be able to do that? Or do you recommend that I do that or recommend I don't do that? <laughs> so first of all, when it comes to displaying the policies, legislators have been very clear that the consumer needs to be able to easily find the policy, right? So if you have a privacy policy page on a website, but then it requires the consumer to click and go to another website to read it, we definitely discourage that because that could be confusing to the consumer, first of all. And then second of all, whether or not you want to reuse the same policy for multiple websites really depends on whether that practice would be confusing to the consumer as well. So let's say I have website A that collects names and emails and I share that with an email marketing provider, right? And then I have website B that collects names, emails, phone numbers, driver's license numbers, and I share it with like 30 different types of parties. Having one policy for both websites would be confusing to the consumer because it'd be unclear which portion of the policy applies to me. So in that case, we would recommend having two separate policies. Now, if the websites are the same, if you're collecting all the same information, sharing it with the same parties, all the same privacy and business practices, you can potentially get away with using the same one. It just depends on whether it'd be confusing to the consumer. But the way that we look at it is if you have more than one website, send us an email and we'd happy to do like a package deal. Like a buy one, get one free or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Would, yeah. would I then have one code for all websites or one code for each website? Yeah, one code for each website In because fact, each yeah. policy would be different. Technically, yeah, it's one code for each policy. So a mm -hmm. privacy policy embed code, a terms of service embed code, because, you know, obviously the, the, 
the main reason why people come to us is our privacy policy. But the fact is we have some pretty astoundingly comprehensive terms of service and disclaimers as well, which are all included in a, in a $99 per year subscription. And um, one of these things I, you always have to think about is what a normal person, a, nothing personal, but a non-lawyer versus a lawyer, um, what would a non-lawyer know what constitutes a privacy uh, an item that's pri personally identifiable privacy information? So, or would they go, no, that's just a number or whatever? So I think that's a great one for me to answer because I think for a long time I've been translating my wife's thoughts and, 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 <laughs> and uh, you know, attorney talk uh, for quite some time now. So, um, yeah, you know, we really... I think combined forces as being someone who built websites and I'll be honest, I used to copy and paste templates, privacy policies for my clients. Like, you know, that was where I came from when starting Termageddon with Donata and she came from the legal background. So, you know, with our powers combined, I felt like we kind of created a, a, a questionnaire that helped people understand how to understand what personal information is and so forth. And, you know, with, with identifying the pieces of personal information a website collects, it becomes actually pretty straightforward um, in the sense that like, okay, my contact form asks for name, email, phone number. Um, ah, my, I have Google Analytics, so I collect IP address. Um, so those are some good examples of like what we see most commonly with websites. But, you know, some websites do get into geolocating. Uh, some websites get into biometrics or applications do. So it can get more complex, but for the mass majority of our clients, it's it's pretty self-explanatory. And we have explainer um, icons with every single question that we ask, um, yeah. providing more information. So next to each question, we have like a little question mark, and then it leads to an article um, where I wrote up exactly what this question is asking and you know how you might want to answer it because yeah, I'm a lawyer, so this comes like pretty naturally to me at this point, but it's it can get confusing to other people. But, you know, we had thousands of customers that we've helped through the process as well. So uh, we kind of learned from all of that and all the questions that they had, and we've incorporated that into our guidance. And then uh, we can also um, provide support and help you get set up as well. It's really, you don't have, you're not on your own. <laughs> right. So, um we are working with you folks uh, because we're developing an e-commerce site and helping our uh, community members uh, develop their e-commerce sites. And so one of the things that we're doing is, is that we're going to be offering it to them, but explain the process where they actually get their own account. So even though they're, they start with us, they get their own account. So we're, we're not in the mix, basically, <laughs> when it comes to actually putting code into their websites. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one thing we definitely realized was that a website and the client are very, um, have different understandings of uh, what makes up a website. And that's why I love the fact that, you know, you're offering Termagaden directly because we've built our platform to work that way. Um, and the great thing is, is, you know, when you have someone that's ready to get set up, you share the license with them. And that means that they'll be instructed to create an account and accept um, uh, the license invitation to you, uh, to, the, to the shared license. What I mean by this is that both you and your client um, or member will have access to this one set of policies, which gives us at Termageddon the ability to email them directly when new laws go into effect, 
when there are updates that will impact their specific policies. So by having Termigun directly communicate with them, it relieves you from having to worry about like, okay, what do I say to them and how? Like they don't have to be concerned about relying on you to pass off that messaging. We email them directly with new disclosure requirements and when we're automatically pushing updates to their policies. And so if folks are in web development, you recommend that they do the same thing? Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you could also refer the client to us, which we're, we're, we're more than happy to accept. Um, uh, so whichever option you prefer. Uh, but typically, people who build websites, especially if you build websites with the same tech stack, there's a lot of value in just being able to like replicate a license, which is like a feature we provide. You can replicate your own license, you know, to help your client just get to the finish line a little bit faster because. You know, if you typically build websites, let's say with WordPress, Google Analytics and contact forms and, you know, for the for in terms of functionality, there's a lot of similarities, um, then it becomes a lot easier just to finish up the questionnaire uh, because you have less questions to answer. Obviously. Right. So can I change the questions? Like, for example, if I set up websites and I say, let me just answer the standard questions on behalf of my clients. But at some point, the client needs to go through it and say, oh, no, no, we do ask for this. Mm -hmm. um, can they change the questions? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's really important that clients get to see that questionnaire and see their policies, of course. And and by sharing the license that um, it, that provides that uh, type of access. Um, and the great thing is, is even if the policies are live on like the build outside or the or maybe the live site, they can go through the question, change out the answers click submit and then the policies will automatically update on the policies right then and there. Yeah, and it works the same way, like if the client is adding some new features to the website or you're building out new features or- you Like e-commerce. Yeah, like you have yeah. e-commerce all of a sudden now, um, you know, you can make those updates at any time and it's not an extra charge or anything like that. You know, it's so interesting to me because 10 years ago, I remember people saying privacy is a thing of the past and nobody cares okay. and you know, give up on it, it's dead, you know, <laughs> just move on. Um, but we've really come full circle. And, and as you said at the beginning, people really do care about this stuff. You know, we sometimes just wave our hand and say, oh, never mind. But uh, we're seeing more and more that lots of people are like, wait a minute, I actually should own that data. I should know where that data is. And I, I should be able to ask for a copy of what you've shared. Yeah, and um, honestly, we have Facebook to thank for that. Um, so the Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal really brought us on the other side of that circle by showing, I mean, it was not a great thing that happened, obviously, but it really showed consumers of what can happen when their information is abused and, and shared and breached. And I think that turned a lot of heads and I think that changed the minds of a lot of consumers from something, oh, I don't care, to something that's like, uh, you know what, maybe I'm not comfortable providing this. So, you know, something good at least came out of it, I think. And do you think consumers, actual end users who visit websites, do you think they understand what constitutes their own privacy? I think it kind of depends, right? So as time goes on, more and more consumers are actually looking for the privacy policy page and they will actually scan for it, um, especially for the word sell. Um, you know, a lot of consumers will check to see if you have that little do not sell my personal information link on the bottom of your website. And if they see that, they might leave. Um, and it looks like there's been some studies that have come out showing that more and more consumers are actually switching providers and switching platforms because of privacy concerns. 
or leaving platforms because of privacy concerns. So it's something that's definitely increasing and it's surprising for a lot of people, but it's, it's really cool. People in the UK, residents of the EU, these are people that are much more acclimated with their rights from a privacy perspective and people are exercising their rights countless times every single day these days. So I think we're just a little bit behind in America, but we are catching up quick. Um, so yeah, I think once people have the privacy rights, that's kind of when the news kind of hits and they, hey, turns out you can tell companies get rid of my data. Hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you yeah. know, and um, I think as that happens, people get more and more educated on what their rights are and, and that's when they start exercising them more. Exactly, yeah. And even some US consumers such as myself uh, will sometimes ask companies, hey, I know I'm not an EU resident, but can I still get these rights? And usually they allow you to do it. So but it's we're, we're like the cool hipsters of privacy right now. One day, everyone's going to think that way. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> exactly. Well, it is interesting because uh, as if this works its way around the world, there'll just be more and more uh, laws and more regulations and more stuff that needs to be done. At some point, do you think there's a limit? I mean, is there some limited capacity of things that I consider private? Because some people don't consider their IP address private. Yeah, so I think there's two parts to that question. So is there a limit to what kind of personal information will ever be considered private? Um, you know, I think, you know, taking that definition of reasonably capable of identifying a person, I think that is the limit or should be the limit because it's, you know, says in the word reasonable, right? Um, in terms of legislation, I, I think, you know, if we have 20, 30 states pass their own privacy laws and a small business, you know, could potentially have to comply with all of those, you know, I, I really hope that the federal government will see that as, as a limit, uh, hopefully sooner than 20 to 30 privacy laws, uh, and hopefully we'll get a federal law in the books to make things a lot less complicated. Um, but so far, it just seems like we're not there yet, at least in the federal government's view. Um, so we'll see what that limit is in, in their minds, I guess. So we're almost out of time, but the next level above that would be, do you think that there will be an international standard? I mean, GDPR is within Europe, but a lot of U.S. companies just say, look, comply with that and you're pretty good to go on a lot of stuff. So the issue with that, when it comes from like a privacy policy perspective, GDPR requires one set of disclosures. And for example, California's privacy law, CCPA, requires a completely different set of disclosures. So if you're following GDPR, you're probably not compliant with the CCPA and vice versa. So they don't necessarily match up. Now, when it comes to like one international standard, I know the OECD has tried to come up with like principles for privacy, but they were just that. They were principles and nobody was actually required to follow them. So it didn't really have that much traction. Um, so do I see some kind of worldwide privacy law that applies to everyone? I would say no, just because of the diplomatic position of the U.S. We're not very likely to follow treaties and agreements as is. So, you know, our government following an international privacy law, I would find to be pretty unlikely. 
Um, but who knows? Maybe with this new administration, we'll see something different. I don't know. I, yeah. I would yeah. love to see it. I mean, term again, we'd be out of business. But from a, you know, we're just trying to solve a problem <laughs> created by governing bodies. So I would just run you know, to Fiji then and relax yeah, on the beach and I could be live done. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could live a relaxing life. All I care about is the like, privacy laws in Fiji. So I would, yeah. yeah, right. I would love to see one personally. I, but I agree with Donata. I don't think it's possible i just don't think it's possible. yeah like we already can't, right now, we can't right. agree on like climate change yeah. you know <laughs> like the likelihood of us agreeing on privacy laws is low but all righty yeah. well so we'll put the link down below but it's uh, termageddon.com and thank you for being here i really appreciate it and with luck we'll have you back sometime awesome, awesome. carl thank you yeah thank you so much for having us Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.